stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. I'm not sure really how they still justify um, killing civilians like that. I mean, discriminately and targeting them. Uh, in four years now, um, I've learned a lot of things. Killing of civilians is not really justified Islamically. I haven't seen any justification yet. Um, doesn't really help anyone's cause. Okay. Not really a good idea. So sounding rather contrite, the man who uh, has been known up until now as Abu Turab al-Kanadi, the real name Muhammad Ali, a Pakistani-Canadian who four years ago went to Syria to join up with the Islamic State, uh, worked as a sniper for ISIS, as we understand, and was quite proficient on social media. As uh, our next guest uh, wrote uh, a few years ago, Adept at using social media and fluent in English, Abu Turab is part of a new generation of jihadists who have stormed the Internet to spread the dark message of the Islamic State. On Twitter, he cheerleads ISIS atrocities, quotes terrorists like Anwar al-Awlaki, and tries to coax others into joining him in Syria. He eulogizes dead jihadists and mocks U.S. troops as criminals and high school dropouts. He wrote in August of 2014, can't wait for the day Islamic State beheads the first American soldier. Soccer, anyone? So this individual has been captured by the Kurds and remains in Kurdish custody. He wants to return to Canada, which is obviously, uh, I think, a problem for the federal government, for Canadians in general. What do we do with this guy? Well, you heard his voice. That was from uh, an interview conducted by Stuart Bell, who has been reporting from Iraq and Syria on the aftermath of the war against the so-called Islamic State. An opportunity to speak with this individual. Joining us on the line is Stuart Bell, uh, investigative journalist, national uh, investigative journalist with Global News, globalnews.ca. Stuart, thanks for joining us here today. Hi, Rob. Uh, So you went and uh, you, you sat down and spoke with this guy. Yeah, I heard uh, I heard a few weeks ago uh, a rumor that uh, a Pakistani Canadian had been captured by the Kurdish forces uh, in northern Syria and was able to uh, speak to the Syrian uh, the Kurdish forces in that part of Syria uh, who confirmed it. Yeah, they said they they had him, and um, so I uh, I set off to see if I could track him down and, and meet him. Uh, and uh, so crossed, uh, went, to, went to Iraq and crossed um, the river into northern Syria and ultimately managed to come face-to-face with him. Now, this was someone you'd written about before, and in fact, a few years ago, you, you published a story about him revealing his, his real name. Going over there, Stu, did you realize or did you suspect that, that it might be the same guy? Yeah, I mean, I, they... they, they uh, Kurdish forces had uh, told me that that was his name, so I, I had a pretty uh, pretty good idea it was him. Although really, to the last minute until he walked in the door, I wasn't entirely convinced it was the same guy. But uh, but it was. I recognized him right away. Uh, do we know the circumstances as to how he came into Kurdish custody? Yeah, I mean, he uh, the story he told. Uh, we know he left Canada in April 2014. Uh, he was very, as you, as you said, he was very active online. Uh, he uh, did a lot of uh, 
social media work promoting ISIS and uh, spreading its propaganda, trying to bring other people into the cause, even trying to encourage attacks in Canada. Um, and, uh, you know, so he was he was pretty well known. Uh, he says that uh, he claims that he'd spent most of the conflict in a sniper unit with ISIS, but that he eventually came to... Um, become dis, uh, you know disenchanted I guess with the with ISIS as an organization and uh, you know around the time that he left ISIS was under tremendous pressure um, in that region they've been uh, you know subjected to um, air campaign as well as the ground forces of, of the Kurd Kurdish fighters and uh, so he left uh, where he was he uh with his wife and two children uh, both born in syria and he was trying to cross into turkey thinking that from there he could uh get back to canada but uh the the kurds have that area pretty well sealed off with checkpoints and uh and as a pakistani canadian he was i think quite easily identifiable as not a local and was was picked off by the the kurds who put him in prison and he's still there now, are the Kurds trying to wash their hands of him? Have they reached out to, to the Canadian government? The the Kurdish forces in that area have uh, 900 foreign fighters from ISIS in their custody, as well as, uh, I think, 500 w- wives and over 1,000 children. So they're really feeling like they have their hands full. They don't have the the infrastructure to really be able to properly... Um, deal with that number of prisoners, and so they're asking uh, respective governments to take back custody of these people. But um, according to the Kurdish officials we spoke to, there were some initial negotiations with uh, some initial talks with uh, Canadian diplomatic officials, but there's been nothing. There's been no resolution, and uh, it's not entirely clear why. Uh, Now, is this guy a a Canadian citizen? Yes, he uh, he immigrated again with his family at the age of seven or eight, and has lived in Mississauga uh, ever since. So yes, he's a Canadian citizen. Right. Well, I mean, even from from your own conversation with him, it sounds like he anticipated that he would be arrested if he showed up in Canada. I mean, he obviously he left to to go join ISIS. That that's a crime. I mean, there's a lot that he's done that we could prosecute him for. But is it, you know, easier said than done? Yeah, I mean, he is resigned to the possibility that he, if and when he arrives back in Canada, he will be arrested and charged with terrorism offenses because of what he's done, and also what he done, he's done pretty openly. I mean, he was online uh, itself uh, admitting to having done certain things. Um, but it's still not a guarantee that uh, he could be charged. I mean, we, as we've seen uh, the last couple of years, the RCMP has not had an easy time trying to bring cases uh, to prosecute in cases where people, Canadians, have gone abroad and taken part in foreign conflicts and terrorist activity, and just because of primarily how hard it is to collect evidence in a war zone that is strong enough to be able to present in a Canadian court. So, you know, this uh, is a, it's an interesting case legally because... Um, you would think it would be a slam dunk in terms of, um, you know, he admitted to us he was uh, in ISIS and was a sniper. What we've seen in the past, that that 
doesn't always translate into charges. Mm-hmm. So it'll be very interesting to see how his case is, uh, is handled by the authorities in Canada. Yeah, it seems like kind of the paradox in, in all of this, that it's almost easier to, to arrest and charge somebody who has tried to leave but was unable to, uh, as opposed to someone who actually successfully traveled to, to Syria and, and joined up with ISIS. That, that's more difficult, strangely enough. Yeah, it's exactly true. I mean, a lot of the, the terrorism charges that we've seen related to ISIS and uh, al-Qaeda and Syria and Iraq have been cases where people were uh, either caught leaving, trying to leave, or suspected of about to leave, or were intercepted overseas and turned around and brought brought back to Canada. Um, in terms of people that went overseas and took part in the conflict and came back, uh, it's been much more difficult. So, um, uh, you know, I think if you look at this case, you'll see that there's a lot there, but it's still not a guarantee that... Uh, you know, that he will be prosecuted. Now, for what he's saying, I mean, he comes across as contrite, he comes across as someone who has kind of seen the error of his ways, but it's also very convenient what he's saying. And, and what is the possibility, do you think, that he's he's saying what he thinks he needs to say and it doesn't necessarily reflect any change in ideology on his part? Yeah, well, in fact, he's only contrite to a certain degree. Uh, he he's he's not happy with ISIS that's clear he's had it with ISIS he's fed up with ISIS but um he doesn't really apologize he doesn't i, I even asked him directly do you regret what you did and he wouldn't even go that far he just wow. said something about oh I, you can't just go around banging your head against the wall um so it's really not clear whether or not he has genuinely um, abandon his commitment to the ideals of fighting and, uh, you know, accomplishing what ISIS set out to do, or if it's just this particular organization that he's fed up with. So that's something that he would have to, you know, if he, even when he gets back to Canada, there would have to be a risk assessment done by the authorities at the least to, uh, just to see where his head's at. For now, though, he remains in Kurdish custody. Yep, the Kurds are holding him uh, in a prison where there are a bunch of other foreign fighters being held. Um, He's been there for months and uh, uh, is not happy about the situation. In fact, you could tell just by his demeanor that, uh, you know, just based on some of the social media that you cited in your introduction, I was really half expecting him to be, uh, you know, much more aggressive and uh, um, fanatical, I guess, than mm-hmm. than the really broken, defeated man that eventually uh, I came. You know, we came to meet. Quite a story. Some pretty incredible reporting, Stuart Moore at GlobalNews.ca. Thanks so much for joining us here today. Really appreciate this. Okay, thanks, Rob. Take care. Uh, that is uh, National Online Investigative Journalist Stuart Bell uh, with Global News, GlobalNews.ca. So quite a scoop there. And more on this story, more on his reporting from Iraq and Syria, again, at globalnews.ca. On Twitter, Stewart has some screenshots of some of this guy's uh, old uh, Twitter post. Abu Turab al-Kanadi was on Twitter, at Abu Turab. November 9th, 2014. First Ottawa, then Quebec. Strike them just as they strike your brothers and sisters. Of course, not long after the attack on Parliament Hill. 
Uh, this post on Twitter. I guess he's trying to be clever. Roses are red, violets are blue. The Islamic State is coming to a town near you. So, he knew what he was doing. He very deliberately went there in 2014 with the express purpose of joining up with the Islamic State. He was very active on social media and touting the Islamic State and trying to recruit others to the Islamic State. Again, here we have a case where a prosecution should be an obvious slam dunk. You know, if if the Kurds were to um, accidentally uh, something bad happen, I mean, I don't think anyone here would would shed many tears uh, because it creates a real headache for us. It's not easy to prosecute these cases, even though it seems obvious on the surface. Ralph Goodale, public safety minister, was asked about the case this week. Here's some of what he said. The uh, first objective, the first priority of the government of Canada uh, is to collect the evidence uh, and to make sure that that where uh, criminal charges uh, uh, can and should be laid, they are in fact laid. That that is the uh, uh, the priority number one uh, in the interests of protecting national security and public safety. Canadians uh, would expect the investigations to be to be thorough and complete, uh, and and they are, and they are done in collaboration with international partners uh, uh, around the world. Uh, and uh, priority number one is to make sure that uh, that uh, wherever possible charges are laid and prosecutions are are pursued. Uh, and over the course of the last uh, uh, two to three years, uh, there have been uh, um, four uh, four sets of charges laid, uh, two that have led to convictions, two more that are that are outstanding at the uh, at the moment. Uh, in dealing specifically with uh, that category of, uh, of of individuals who have gone abroad, uh, become involved in a in a, uh, a terrorist activity somewhere else in the world. Uh, and then have have managed to return to Canada. The uh, the issue is making sure that the criminal code is assiduously applied in every case. Well, there are there are uh, a range of uh, of terrorist charges enumerated uh, in the in the criminal code, uh, and the uh, the challenge for uh, security and police agencies is to collect the evidence that will that will. Um, uh, be usable in a court of law, uh, but the uh, uh, the RCMP will make that determination uh, in terms of what charges are are uh, most effective, what charges will uh, will be most successful through the process. Uh, but there are uh, specific offences under the criminal code uh, that relate to uh, to terrorist travel and terrorist activity abroad, and those are the sections of the code that the uh, uh, that the police authorities would be utilising. Yeah, kind of a long-winded political answer there from the public safety minister, but essentially saying uh, that there are all kinds of charges under the Criminal Code of Canada that would and should apply to this guy. So don't screw this one up. We'll see what happens. Is this guy going to be back in Canada anytime soon? His intention was to return. Uh, the Kurds don't want to hold him forever. So we better be preparing for this eventuality and make sure we've got everything in order so that we don't screw this one up. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.